I'd like to start by asking you to state your full name for the record, spelling your first and last name for the record. Sure, it's Julie Pinder, J-U-L-I-E-P-I-N-D-E-R. And Julie, uh, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. And now your screen is shaking. Can you set your camera down or your... Um, that's a, a little better, and I, I understand that that's... How's that? That's much better. Thank you. Okay, sorry. Now, I understand that you have uh, received two doses of the vaccine. Yes. And um, I wanted to ask you what, uh, what led you to make the decision to become vaccinated. The first vaccine... Um, I wanted it because I was scared of COVID and I wanted to do my part. Um, so yeah, I went on ahead and I did the first vaccine. I, I didn't expect it to hit me the way it did really. Um, second vaccine, I feel like I was coerced into taking it. Okay. Now, and I'm just going to stop. Your screen is still shaking, so I don't know if your hand is on the table or if there's something else that we can do. You're using a cell phone, I presume. Yeah. Uh, here, let me see what I can do here. I'll try to lean it up. I'm sorry. Okay. Is that better? That is, that is much better. Thank you. So the first okay. shot, um, you basically you were afraid of COVID. And right. can you tell us... Um, who was it that was making you afraid of COVID a bit? I mean, what were you seeing and hearing that gave you that fear? The media. It was all over the place. Um, I, I pretty much believed that, you know, this miracle vaccine was coming and it was going to save us all and we'd be fine. And, you know, I kept hearing that the vaccine was safe and effective. Um, so at that point, I wanted to do my part. I was, I was scared. Of getting COVID. Okay. And then my understanding is you had your first shot on March 1st of 2021? Yes. So you, you were you were fairly early on in the queue. Can you tell us what happened? Uh, so my first shot, um, I came home and I was really extremely tired, but it kind of felt like an anesthetic type of tired. Uh, my eyelids swelled up. I had a rash from my neck down to my feet, pretty much. I was itchy everywhere. Um, and it just, it just knocked me out. Um, I want to say the rash lasted quite a while. It just kind of slowly went away. But then I started um, uh, noticing that my heart rate was elevated, right? So I used to wear a Fitbit, and I was tracking my steps, and I'd look at my heart rate, and it would be up as high as 140 beats a minute. Um, and then it would drop back down again. And that, that was kind of continuous. So at one point, I just thought my Fitbit was broken, and I stopped wearing it. Um, I also developed weakness behind my ankle bones, and I assumed I needed new work boots. So I did that, and then I started wearing ankle braces at one point. I never connected the heart rate and the ankle weakness with the vaccine. Right. Um, did you seek medical attention for these? Effects? Between the first and the second one, I think I did a few times because I was uh, also experiencing cramping in my lower calves. Um, and 
like nobody nobody put two and two together at that point. Okay. Now, my understanding is, is because of these complications, you were reluctant to have a second shot. I was, yeah. Um, yeah. But you did attend that at the, the pharmacy to get a second shot. And I'm curious what, why you, you were kind of willing to do that again after what you had already experienced. Well, I had a, a brief conversation with uh, my head of health and safety at work. And so the place where I worked at was extremely hot, and we had to wear face masks all day. And I had asked him, you know, like, once we're fully vaccinated, are we going to have to wear these masks? And he said, no, no, not once you're vaccinated. And I said to him, well, what about the people who don't want to get vaccinated? Because there were a lot of people there. And he said, well, it's going to be mandated. So, you know, they're not going to have a choice. We wanted to worry about it. Um, and also, I, I was hoping that I could uh, travel. Um, I had booked a trip to the Bahamas that just obviously didn't happen. So for those reasons, um, at that point, I, I, was, I was scared to take it. I'm not going to lie. I was, I, I still, at that point, thought I was doing what was needed of me. You, you mean kind of the societal expectation that you do your part? I saw a shift in the attitudes of Canadians towards people who were unvaccinated. Um, people were turning their backs on the unvaccinated uh, I mean, I, I, people had really horrible, not-so-nice things to say. Everybody that was hesitant to get a vaccine uh, became treated like an anti-vaxxer. And apparently, uh, sorry, I'm trying to... Okay, so... You just... Carry on, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, you didn't want to be... You just didn't want to be associated with somebody who didn't have a vaccine back then because of some not-so-nice things that were said, um, as far as I'm concerned, by our prime minister. Um, but, yeah. Right, and I, and I just want to make sure that I understand, um, you know, basically what was pressuring you because you clearly didn't want to be vaccinated. So, basically, there was social pressure from Canadians. and then there, was also social, there was social pressure... Um, when I went in and talked to the pharmacist and I told him, you know, how things had went down, he didn't want to give me the second dose. So what he did was he had me uh, tell him what um, what my uh, reaction was. And so I told him what my reaction was. And at that time, I didn't even tell him about the elevated heart rate or the ankle weakness because I still hadn't put two and two together there. And so he decided that he didn't want to give it to me without... Um, uh, a doctor's note from an immunologist. So I had taken that letter uh, um, to my local hospital thinking that, you know, maybe there's an immunologist there and they can book me the appointment. We can find out if I'm allergic to anything in it. And instead, I, uh, the nurse um, set up an, a consultation with an ER doctor. Um, so the ER doctor came in and the first thing he said to me is, I am not giving you an exemption if that's what you're here for. Um, and I said, no, like, so, I, so I just me, want to make sure. Let me just stop you there. So Sorry. 
you you hadn't even explained to him why you were there or no. you know any any reasons you know for or an against an exemption and the doctor tells you before you you guys have any conversation that he's That's not right. going to give you an exemption. That's right. Um, yeah. What was kind of the demeanor and attitude of this doctor in, in how you were treated? You know, oddly enough, he was really soft-spoken. Um, and I think he was trying to come off as kind. But to me, it was arrogant. Um, yeah, he... he I mean, that's all I can say about that. He, right away, just, you know, I'm not giving you an exemption. Um, I started to express concern, and he told me I should do my part, be a good citizen. Um, and then he said to me, uh, do you have any uh, children or elderly people in your family? And I said, I have a, a new grandbaby. And he said, you don't want to be responsible for killing your grandbaby. And so... Obviously, at that point, I think that was probably the only thing that could have been said to me to go back and get the second vaccine. And when I saw the pharmacist again, it was the same pharmacist. He said to me, you know, are you sure you're okay with this? And I said, no, but I said, the doctor made it sound like I'm going to kill my grandbaby if I don't do it. And so he gave me the second vaccine, but I feel like he was uncomfortable with it and he didn't want to. You know, I kind of wish he had us stuck to his guns, but and, and so what happened? Um, I was fine for the 15 minutes that I sat with him, and then on the way home, I could taste metal in my mouth. My right arm felt really heavy. Uh, I kind of wondered if maybe I was having a heart attack, so I pulled over. I drank some water, and I thought, no, you know what? I'm just, I'm just paranoid. I'm having a panic attack because. You know, I was scared to have the second vaccine. Um, oh, another thing the doctor had told me was to take a Benadryl and I'd be fine. I forgot about that. Um, I bought Benadryl from the pharmacist. I came home. I started to get in a really, really uh, deep feeling of tiredness again. I took the Benadryl and I went to bed. Um, and I woke up at some point to use the washroom, and I knew I needed water, and my head was pounding, and I had lost the vision in my right eye. But I was so tired, I didn't even care. I just went back to bed. Um, I want to say the migraine probably lasted another day, and then I woke up at one point, and the headache was going away, my vision was restored, and I thought, thank God that's over and done with. Um, but then I want to say within a week after that, I started dropping things. And it just, it just progressed from there. I, my hands, when I started this, looked normal. Um, so they went from normal to skeletal looking without a matter of, I want to say, two or three months. Um, I started dropping things. My sense of perception was off. So I'd go to open a door, and I'd completely miss the door. Uh, I continued to try to work the... Uh, the cramps in my uh, calf muscles got really, really bad. Um, it felt like all the muscles over top of my kneecaps had bunched up and in my upper thighs. And I, I remember doing reports at work and I'm holding a pen and I'm trying to like make numbers and it's like my brain just wouldn't connect and I, I just couldn't do it. Um, at that time I, I had a week off work and I thought, okay, well I have a week to get better. 
you know, and um, yeah, I just assumed that I would get better. Um, instead, things just progressively got worse. I started to be able to feel where I was losing the muscles in my body. Um, to me, it felt like it went from my ankles up into my knees, my thighs, uh, my trunk, my back, my neck, down my arms and into my hands. And so I went to my local hospital and I spoke with a the doctor there. And he said to me, sometimes people are getting uh, things called Guillain-Bray syndrome and that he would test me for it. He did blood work. He came back. He told me I was fine. Um, I later found out that's not even how you test for it. You have to do a spinal tap. Um, so I feel like I was deceived just to get out of the hospital. Um, I started having issues now, with swallowing. Can, can I just stop you? When you're presenting at the hospital, and this is in St. Thomas, am I correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, what You're telling them basically what you've just told us, all of these symptoms. Yes. And so they do a test for one thing. It's not that. And so they just send you home without any anything further? Yes. I told that doctor that I was losing my muscles. And and that was that was it. He'll do blood work. Um, and so, yeah, from there, like I said, things were starting to progress. And I started having issues swallowing. I started having issues with my thought process. Um, I, I knew I was losing my muscles rapidly. And so my husband took me to uh, London Health Science Center um, because we knew there were neurologists there. And I was seen by a neurologist in the ER, and he took a look at my hands, and he said, yeah, something's going on here. And he admitted me. Um, the next day, a neuromuscular doctor came in, and she basically argued with me and told me what I was experiencing wasn't happening. Um, I couldn't walk a straight line. I had no balance. They saw that. Um, I'm assuming my blood pressure was low because I, I had a nurse ask me twice if I was dizzy. Um, and she had me do a genetic spit test. And let me see. She also told me that I should protect the muscles in my arms by wearing hockey equipment to bed. And I think uh, at that point, I had asked to see a different doctor who was no longer at that hospital. Um, and I mean, of course, you know, that took a little bit of time, but yeah, I was sent home like that in active muscle atrophy. So um, did they do any follow-up with you? Because they basically told you that you're not experiencing what you're experiencing. No, I was passed off to a different doctor who has done uh, uh, nerve conduction studies and has said, yeah, you know, you're getting weaker. Um, I think, you know, like I've had several blood works done. I've had the uh, genetics testing done. Um, I've had an MRI. I've had CAT scans. And... I feel like they just keep looking for autoimmune diseases that I don't have. Are, are any of them considering that it's a vaccine injury? I did uh, have an appointment with a rheumatologist who, who said, I don't know what the big deal is. This is she believes it's a vaccine injury. 
I also saw a spine surgeon who uh, looked at my MRIs and she said, there's nothing that she can see that's wrong with my spine except for, you know, the normal aging stuff. And as far as I, I think she had said that she agrees that it was a spine injury. I know she said that she can't think of anything that can make your muscles waste that quickly. Um, no, you said she thinks it's a spine injury. Did you misspeak there? Oh, yes, I misspoke. No, she did not think it was a spine injury. Sorry. Right. Now, you applied for long-term disability. What happened? Yep. Um, I have, in the past, reacted neurologically to nitrofuritin. Um, and I think once I got better, they just left it there. And so um, I also had issues back then, like not, not nearly this severe. Um, but because of that, um, they say, you know, pre-existing. And... And that's, that's just what insurance companies are like. So even though they have the rheumatology report, um, that's just what they're like. Right. So how has this affected you financially? <laughs> My husband also has. Um, he was one of the unlucky people who got uh, a specific batch number uh, of AstraZeneca from the Baltimore plant. He has heart damage and now he's working two jobs. And it's impossible to get um, compensation from the vaccination injury support program. From what I understand, I had to, even to get my paperwork, I had to get my MP involved. I kept repeatedly sending, uh, phoning them, sending emails, and even send me the paperwork. And now I'm just hesitant to do it because I feel like they're going to, um, you know, just be like the insurance company. Well, they're going to just try to disprove it. And so there was absolutely, and I mean, it takes almost a year in Canada just to get an MRI, right? So. How are supposed to people supposed to function like this? Um, I was told I was told I could uh, apply for my CPP disability, but it, you know that takes up to eight months. And I mean, they quite often I've heard they deny you the first time. So yeah, there's There's nothing really set up for people who are injured instantly. What's, um, if, if you could share one thing with your fellow Canadians, what would your message be? Don't get it. Because there's nothing. There's, it would be different, you know, if, if they were doing studies or, or they cared. Um, I was told by my MP, I'm just somebody who happened to fall through the cracks. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I've lost my job. I'm trying to gain back my health. Um, don't do it. Until this government is willing to step up and help people and stop trying to divide us, I would... I'd stay the hell away from it. And I guess my big concern now is 
you have a whole bunch of people who have been injured by this vaccine were being censored online. If I put anything on, example, my Facebook, I, I get a warning for false and misleading information, even if it's pictures of my own vax injury. Um, it's, you know, we've been, we've been uh, called liars by people who had it and had no issues with it. Um, the people who, who were anti-vax or against it, telling us that we deserve what we got because we didn't listen to them. We can't get treatment by doctors, and this government isn't supporting us. So. Okay. Um, I'm just going to ask the commissioners if they have any questions of you. Sure. And, and, and the commissioners don't. Okay. Um, Julie, on behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry, I, I truly thank you for sharing your story. It's so important that people like you um, let everyone know what's happened and what your experience is. And can I just say one more thing quickly? You, you certainly can. So my concern is, if this vaccination can do this to adults, I can't even begin to imagine what it can do to a child. You have children who are getting myocarditis, and I don't understand, um, you know, if given the choice between getting COVID or getting myocarditis, I, I'd take my chance with COVID. It doesn't make sense to give children this vaccine to keep an 80-year-old, say, off a ventilator. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And that's where I better leave it because I get from upset to angry. <laughs> so. Thank you again, uh, Julia, okay. for sharing with us. Great. Thanks.